new busy day on the Jeff Cameron Show. Great to have you along. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Thanks for listening on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. If you're watching, good day to you, sir. Man, like and subscribe. Pass the love around. Hey, now. National Championship game tonight seems a bit like an afterthought, but it won't be once it kicks off. Uh, angles to play. Fun here, by the way. I'm still going to stick with it, Tom. I like Georgia tonight to win the rematch. But before we get to it, and I'll get back to the reasons. Uh, all right. Caleb Williams is off to USC. Not Georgia. That was originally rumored that uh, the NIL money that he was going to get to go to Georgia so that they, too, could have a real quarterback going into next year to go along with that vaunted defense is uh, is not true. He's going to follow his coach. But there's the other storyline. I You know, it was fictional, and I laughed about it during the season, that maybe Jimbo would go to LSU and take his whole class with him and and the <laughs> best players from Texas A&M, but in, it's kind of happened now. Lincoln Riley goes from one destination to the other. Yeah. He takes his stud young quarterback. There it is. You feel better or worse? Other developments over the weekend. I feel better that Kevin Coleman said, I'm going to Jackson State too. Uh, that was worth a chuckle, wasn't it? Well, sure. Sure. Because I'm fairly certain that either Miami or Oregon thought he was going there. Miami certainly did. And so they get a little taste of the, ooh, looks like you got bit. The Jackson State bug got you. Yeah, it's all that uh, schadenfreude. I, I'm still I, I'm still net not pleased about the Jackson State developments. Well, but, I would have rather had Travis Hunter right, come to Florida State. Give me yes. Coleman and give me Hunter and give us this <laughs> transfer portal uh, wide receiver class mm-hmm. and let's declare victory. But I did not laugh. I, I certainly went, oh, my goodness, I, I, I just gotten done off of uh, a round of golf. Well, I, I chuckled. I mean, it's – listen, it's what all you can do. It's, uh, it's, it's a modern – development in recruiting and um good for jackson state bad for those of us who'd like to see those young men play football uh but good for them that that's you know i, I never i never tell kids uh, shame on you for going anywhere so. hey man you get paid you get paid yeah well go get paid um and even if he doesn't if that's what he wants to do that's what he well, wants to do but you see i mean the grand chessboard it might it's basically a checkers board it's easy to read yeah a mass talent and then say it's a package deal for a Power 5 gig. Of I'm going to take these kids with me, of and course. you play the long game. Yeah, right? yeah, I know. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I get it. I figured this is where we were headed all along. You, I didn't think it was out of the, the goodness of his heart. <laughs> it's, But it's no longer. But that's the interesting thing. Like yeah. You can do it that way, and yeah. say it's no longer about I'm going to bring you the best coordinators in the world. It's like, no, I've got four blue gonna, chippers yeah, ready to jump and play for players. you yeah. tomorrow. So... I thought the last game, a couple things, if we hearken back to the last time we saw these two teams playing in the national championship game tonight, the last time we saw them on a football field, obviously we saw Georgia wipe the field with Michigan. That game early looked to be over, and the big reason for it was right off the bat you could tell that um, Michigan wasn't going to be able to run the ball and that Georgia's offensive line was going to be able to handle Michigan's defensive line and pass rush. Once that was the case, this game was over, and it played out that way, very much so. But it got me to thinking about Alabama, which I think, you know, obviously comfortably won against Cincinnati. But Cincinnati did a good job of bottling up, for the most part, Bryce Young. I don't think, you know, he did not have a great game. Um, And some of this has to do, I think, uh, with that John Meachie being out is a big damn deal. 
offensive linemen either being out or playing hurt is a big damn deal. The most stunning development the last time Georgia and Alabama played was that Bryce Young took over the game in its entirety and did whatever he wanted to do. Not because Bryce Young isn't talented. He is. We also know that if we're just talking about upside of the two quarterbacks, it's it's Bryce Young and a whitewashing over Stetson Bennett, who's one projects to be a top five pick in the NFL when he decides to come out after next year. The other may never see the NFL. Got it. Two very different levels of talent. But against that defense, and because Alabama's offensive line struggled with Auburn and struggled with, go on down the list, you didn't expect them to come out and dominate Georgia's defensive line, and they did. And then Bryce went off and was simply incredible. My bet, and I'm partial because I took Georgia plus 900 before the year, is that he can't do it again. That their line banged up, and without Michi at wide receiver, they are not going to get. By the way, he killed Georgia the last time before he, he got hurt. Yes, yeah. So to me, those are significant enough losses. And now they've seen it up close and personal just how dynamic. Bryce Young can be. They adjust enough with those athletes to get the win tonight. I'm sticking with Georgia, and I'll give the three, Tommy. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think if you're of the mind that maybe there were different levels of desperation in the SEC championship game because Georgia already knew that they were in, that theory could come true tonight. I feel like you could almost validate it tonight beyond the injury stuff that you're talking about, which probably has a a bigger bearing on the game Sure, for, for tonight's purposes. But you just wonder. I mean, it's human nature. Georgia, you're in. Now, you could go and eliminate Alabama today, but if Alabama shows up to the party and they're going to go hair on fire from the kickoff, yeah, maybe you don't feel it on the, a given the, Saturday. But I would say that the only pushback to that is Georgia was up 10 to nothing. Correct. But, again, you could be a front runner and start fast, and then when it's in the throes of the no, second no, quarter, no, you can make you. a decision, I, and you don't even know you're doing it. That, that's, yeah. that's the hard part, especially with college kids in this particular circumstance. Now, if Alabama destroys Georgia again tonight, then that, that theory is completely out the window. I just, I've got a hard time, <laughs> given what Alabama had to do yeah. and what Georgia never really had to worry you about. You can't really manufacture that. I understand. Yes, it's, it's, it's strange. I do think it's going to be very hard for Alabama to duplicate without Michi and without, without the total health of their offensive line to duplicate what they did against Georgia the last time. That, maybe, they, maybe they do. I understand that it's probably a fool's errand to bet against Nick Saban in games of this magnitude. We just look at his record. We look what he's done. Obviously, he gets the benefit of the doubt over anybody in college football over and over and over and over and over, and over again. I got it. But I am. I'm going to bet against him. What channel are you watching? You watching Jimbo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've thought that listening to him talk about football and break down football is uh, probably uh, one of the more entertaining uh, gifts that I've had professionally. Uh, I, 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 no matter what we've ever said about him, the person or the pluses and the minuses that we've had to assess of his time here and, and all the good and all the bad and all the ugly and everything in between. One thing that I think is universally agreed upon by people who cover football, love football, played football, watch football, take in football in all of its varieties, is that if you can get past the non-seculars and the oftentimes the stuttering mess of a conversational loop that he is, and hear the message and listen to the concepts, there may not be anybody better than Jimbo Fisher breaking down why a player is doing what he's doing, why a play worked or didn't work, what the defense is attempting to do, what the offense is doing by formation, all of that. He's got a career in that if he ever cares to work when he's not a professional football coach. Yeah, especially on the college football coach. 
because you know doing it on the fly is another skill and oh, he I mean, can just, he like just, nobody else he sees the world as one yeah. big football field it's amazing the way he talks <laughs> he about he does, does. he yeah. kind of does and when you listen to him talk i've talked to other coaches about him not just coaches that were on his staff coaches about him and they will all i mean they may have very negative things to say about certain aspects of the man but they will all say yeah man knows ball Nose ball. That's ESPN2 Universe is asking in the chat. What channel is that particular? So that's uh, ESPN2. Yeah, I got the two TVs rolling. I I think it'll be Jimbo on the sound, and then I'll pull up either the SkyCast or the Direct All 22 from the way up high in the sidelines as as TV2 without sound. You know, I mean, listen – it's not uh, the sport that it used to be in terms of, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch Texas no. and USC. Even Well, actually, in that game, it was probably a bad example before kickoff. That was an incredible game. But it ended up being a great game. But still, it is the natty. And it's good. this is, I mean, you've got yeah. anywhere between 28 or 22 NFLers on the field all at the same time, anytime <laughs> the ball's in play. I mean, these the way these two schools have recruited is just absurd. So you're going to be watching the highest level the there is. The problem is it's they seem the to branding. reside in the yeah, same place. Right. 11 of the last 15 national championships have been won by the SEC. Alabama is in the SEC championship and college football national championship game every year. It's getting old, unless you're a fan of Alabama, admittedly. Well, that one time they weren't, LSU was there. <laughs> So, Actually, the wackiest one is the first one. Ohio State-Oregon is probably the wackiest national title game in terms of the two combatants. Yeah, you're right. Because um, Clemson LSU is the fill-in for when Alabama hasn't been there otherwise. Yeah, and, and listen, again, it's not those schools that are operating at peak efficiency and dominating the sport and are well-coached and recruit better and have the passion and the commitment to being great. That, that's not their fault. I'm not, I'm not laying blame on any of those programs. I'm talking about it from, from a viewership standpoint. It just gets old. If every year you watch the Super Bowl, one of the contestants was – Dallas, no matter what, it would get old. Yeah, that's true. The the Super Bowl really wasn't that fun when I was a kid because it was the 49ers or Dallas and they're going to win. It's just a matter of the NFC Championship game is the fun one. Who's going to win that game? Didn't come until later in the 90s that it started started to break the salary cap where it was more interesting. But yeah, it was a foregone conclusion in the 90s almost every year. I mean, Green Bay and Denver was a really fun Super Bowl. It played out that way. Yeah. But do you think about it? The next year with Denver and Atlanta, the Cowboys Super Bowls, San Francisco against San Diego. I mean, all of these things were foregone conclusions before the ball kicked off. Yeah, they were. I'm going back through. Hold on one second. Super Bowl. I want to check the. Yeah, you're Mr. Encyclopedia on that. Well, I wanted to check when my memory. Uh, I'm trying to. Yeah, you got a good one in uh, 97 with the uh, the Rams. Or was that 99? Rams and Titans, that was the one-yard line. That was the one-yard line. Um, all right, so I, I get... Yeah, if, 97 was Packers and Denver, I think. But see, let's say you're in the chat here and you were bringing up New England. Think about it this way, though. 2010. Like What what year did Alabama start dominating college football? 08, 09. So, 08, uh, so, yeah, Saban. Okay, if we just go back from there. So 09, we'll go to 09. Okay, Pittsburgh, Arizona, New Orleans, Indianapolis, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, the Giants in New England, Baltimore, San Francisco, Seattle, Denver. See, it's not. I mean, it's not. (laughs) Yes, there's a run of New England, but they also lose. And there's not like it's not as consistent as you think. Denver, Carolina snuck in there. Um, Golly, that's. Ooh, I forgot about that game. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. That was Cam didn't die for it. 
you know, that guy is one of the least remembered Super Bowls. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. If I said to you who was in Super Bowl 50, would you have said Denver and Carolina? Uh, no, I'm not very good with attaching. I'm better off with a year than I am the Super Bowl, if that makes sense. Like, you know, so if you yeah. said Super Bowl 46, I'm like, I don't know. If you said, you know, 2015, I might have a better chance. So anyhow, Denver, Carolina, you're right, Cam wouldn't dive on a fumble. And, and that was the sheriff's last ride. <laughs> One more time. Come sheriff. on, Sheriff. I ain't got any any bullets ah, left in the chamber. Oh, well, we'll carry you there, ah. Sheriff. Uh, then there's the famed uh, New England-Atlanta game, 28-3. to mm. uh, Philadelphia, New England, New England, Los Angeles. There's that stretch, yes, where it got old. But they haven't been in two years, and they're not going this year. At least Kansas those games City's- are all different. Yeah. I mean, you had a wild comeback, 28-3. to Worst Super Bowl I ever saw, though, was New England over the Rams. That's right. Worst Super Bowl right. I've ever seen. Our friend Bill went there. <laughs> he was there for that game, for a VIP experience of a lifetime. But, Sucks uh, for him. Yeah, and here's a little thirteen to three for that. Ass. Everything Enjoy but the game. That. The My one McCourty God. deflection in the back of the end zone on Jared Goff. That was the play of the game. That was it. Wide open receiver. It was uh, hanging in the air just long enough for a McCourty to make a play. God, Seattle, God. New England was a great one. Yeah, yo, know, it's an all timer. I'm thinking back to when I was a kid, and I've talked about this before. I Denver, can... Seattle sucked. Twenty one nothing. Oh, it was more than that. No, the which game are you talking about? Denver, Seattle. That was Peyton's first. Oh, 43 one. to eight. That was after like the third drive of the game. Like, okay, surely the Super Bowl begins now. Like, I was nope, thinking it's, of Pitt. It's already uh, over. We'll get the wrong damn game. I'm not even thinking of. I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm looking at a playoff game. I'm going back through. Here we go. Now I'm on the right page. My apologies. Bad radio. Uh, so my God, I told you this. I'm old, Tom. I'm officially very old because I can go. <laughs> I, I can remember Pittsburgh, Dallas. 1976. <laughs> it's my first one that I remember. Twenty-one seventeen. Oh my god! Yeah, I'd already said mine. It's uh, the 49ers and the Chargers. That was my first Super Bowl. I remember poor uh, Minnesota getting their head kicked in in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, thirty-two to fourteen by Oakland. I remember Dallas beating the Denver Broncos twenty-seven to ten in the Superdome. I can remember Dallas losing thirty-five thirty-one to the Steelers in the Orange Bowl. I can remember the Steelers over the Rams because in 1980-79 season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost to the Rams in the playoffs after going from worst to first in the division in what was a god-awful game. Oh, Vince Ferragamo, by the way. Um, yeah, golly. First game I ever made money on. The first time that I ever realized that I had an inkling towards the illegal uh, was when I bet uh, that Washington would beat Miami. In the uh, in the Super Bowl in 1983, as a 12-year-old. Really? Yeah, I bet with a 12-year-old. I bet I bet with a kid in my middle school. What was the uh, what were the stakes? We bet our lunch tickets for the week. Oh, nice. Yeah, I took all of his lunch tickets and sold them. You did. I made cash. Did they have the stamps with the smells on them? They had the, no. Ours were That's or- one of the great smells. Of ours were those school. little orange tickets that came in a series in a ball of oh, tickets. Yeah. That's what you got. Oh, they were red. Actually, they were red. Yes. You know who's uh, played in two of the more boring Super Bowls ever? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, but it wasn't born us. You know, seventy to thirty-nine combined greatness. You're right. Little chance we see or a seventy-nine run. to thirty dyslexia. Oh, it's even better. It is. Combined, yeah, we may not get there, but when we do, that's your ass. <laughs> so don't let us get to L.A. <laughs> Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. 
passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Two gunslingers walked out in the street and one said, you know how certain movies play 40 years after they were released. Others, prisoners of that moment, when you go back and you're like, oh, that's, just, that's dated. That doesn't play. That doesn't work. Oh, uh, this is a little, a little sketchy, a little sus. Doesn't look like it's anything that you would uh, you'd recommend be made now, right? Super Bowls are that way. Quarterbacks, games. On the day of the Super Bowl or when we enter into the playoffs, one of the things that the NFL Network does during the week in the buildup to the actual games, besides breaking down the matchups and individual players, is that you can find a lot of these games in a loop, especially if they have a matchup between two teams that have already played each other before. So, for example, we were gifted this weekend because what ended up happening was that San Francisco did what they needed to do by virtue of that comeback to get paired with the Dallas Cowboys. And that's a game that if you are Tom's age, you very much oh, remember. Game. It's a war, right? I mean, that is. And so when you see, we're, we're nothing if not nostalgic as people. When you see those two uniforms this weekend in a playoff game, you could hate both teams, but you're like, yes, yes, I want to see this. I have to. I, I like this. This plays. It was the two superpowers. I mean, yes, every yeah, year from my childhood, it oh, was right. the two superpowers. It was the bidding war for Deion Sanders and yep. every other expensive mm-hmm. player. Is all that was right because there was no salary cap, and it was brought like, on the cap was yeah. that rivalry. Yeah, I think. yeah. Jerry Jones was just going to continue to spend. Yes. Uh, but, but I was, I was thinking about that. I also like, because they'll replay those games. You're reminded oftentimes of just how good certain players were. And we've entered into the realm now where we're beyond like, so you can watch guys from the nineties and tell people he could play today. You can't do that for too many guys in the fifties. You watch like Jim Brown's the exception of certain eras where you're like, yeah, he would probably still be really good even if you plopped him straight down onto a football field today. But not many guys. Like you, you look at most of those guys. You, you look at to, the footwork of the quarterbacks, and it looks like yeah, the turtle yeah. walking. They're like, eh. but one thing that always plays, and when they go back and show it, when you go, back, you know who would still be fantastic, phenomenal, John Elway. John Elway would still be phenomenal. In some ways, he'd be even more lethal than he already was. Because back then, they hated that he ran around. He's a big bitch with a cannon for an arm and would have run more if it hadn't been so forbidden. you know. And that guy could run you over and run away from you. And in the modern era, you wouldn't be allowed to hit him five seconds after he threw the ball and drive him into the ground. He'd still be playing. Yeah, that's the case for him and Marino. Yeah. Marino would have been protected. Yeah. Well, and he had the quickest release I've ever seen. So it's just something to. And Troy Aikman would have been exposed. Well, he, he was exposed back then, though. Well, I don't know, man. I We go overboard with that. He was a tough quarterback. Well, that's great. Dude took whoopings that he wouldn't take now. If he wasn't on a super team, 
but you could what, put him in a salary you, you, you cap. Think, you think Emma Smith's overrated? Um, I think he you think prob- Michael Irvin's overrated. I think well, it's the classic Emmett Smith argument is the Barry Sanders counter, which is put Barry Sanders behind that line and sure, tell me what numbers a, he amasses. Put a lot of guys behind that line. You put maybe run of the mill running backs I today, think, but it doesn't mean that just because that's true that he wasn't also incredible. Sure, but what I'll See say his about college and high school careers. What I'll say about Troy, and I understand '90s quarterbacking numbers are different than modern numbers. Very, 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 different. very different. But I mean, come on. So you're on the team of teams, and that's all you can do with it? But he was on a team that went 1-15 and and got his head kicked in and almost died. (laughs) Yes, you get points for toughness. Well, you get points for being there as it was built and acclimating everybody into that offense. I mean, I don't know. I, I... He was was along for the ride, and he did a couple things. I think that that would be my, my assessment of Troy Aikman. Um, I think the argument against Troy would be to say that he was a good quarterback, not a Hall of Fame quarterback. But you can't say that he wasn't a good player. He was a good player. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But that's a far cry from the way he's talked about. Part of that is his broadcasting career. He has stayed omnipresent, and so people, you know, you get he tired was annoyed. Of it. This is also kids. But everybody loved the Cowboys in Tampa because we sucked, and I was a Bucks fan. I wore the, right, the Bucks yeah, stuff, and yeah, so you had these fair weather kids in my grade. That and and I mean this happened all across well, the area. What happens in sports? They, all, they pick the winning team. They love the winning team. But Troy was just like elevated as though he was uh, second to uh, the Pope, you know, who was on the wall in the classroom. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, it's I, like hey, everybody breathe a little bit, you know. You you heard yesterday on the broadcast, and this is true, and I may have been guilty at one time of this. So I'm I'm I like to go back and kind of recollect people's careers and look a little closer. For a while there, do you remember, Tony Romo brought this up yesterday during our broadcast in Tampa. For a while there, there was this argument that uh, Tom Brady wasn't great. He was a system quarterback. People would be like, he's a system quarterback. He's not great. That happened. That existed. It did. It existed. You could have made an argument about Brady through two or three Super Bowls and say, I mean, okay, is it about the Patriots' defense or is it Brady? But as the tenure went on, he took over everything. He was the only reason they were they were there. Right. He was the. Well, he was, you didn't he want was, him to screw up in their first Super Bowl win. He made a couple of plays. He made some big plays. But you didn't want him to screw up. By the end of his tenure with New England, you're like he's the only reason they're they're even contending because they'd be oh, well, at 9 17 without him. Yeah, he was throwing best. he was throwing the chumps. Yeah, he was throwing the chumps. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it's just we we have a way of assessing people in the moment and then kind of their career ends and depending on what we think of their coach or their personalities or whatever, then maybe we apply our own feelings towards that guy to their career, and that's not always fair either. Um we now kind of have a different very different thought of, you know, what is Tom Brady. And I think the same is true years later with Troy. Um, but, yes, there's no denying that team was loaded. But, you know, Steve Young and Joe Montana played for a loaded San Francisco oh, sure. team, too. Absolutely. Like, it's not their fault that they were there. Right. It's just uh, right. Let's, uh, let's pump the brakes on how we talk about them. You want to crown him and crown his ass. <laughs> let's talk to Ira. Ira Schaffel, Warchant.com, joins us right now. How are you, Ira? I'm great, man. How are you guys? I'm doing well. You all right? Your throat's a little shaky. You going to be able to handle it? No, I'm all good, man. I was just out raking leaves. Yeah. <laughs> doing yard work. I'm, 
uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay, so where do you want to start? You want to start with basketball and the win over Louisville and the big game tomorrow, or do you want to go to Jared Verse? You want to go to what Mike Norvell and his staff have done? Uh, you want to go with today's press conference? I'll let you dictate terms. Where do you want to go, buddy? Uh, let's go to basketball, man, because I'm excited. All of a sudden, one game, I'm now excited about that game tomorrow night against Miami, which, I'll be honest, a few days ago I was maybe dreading a little bit. And, uh, you know, one game kind of changed uh, my outlook a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a great crowd. Miami's here. They're undefeated in the conference. They just knocked off Duke. So uh, I'm fired up about basketball right now. Well, okay, I'll oblige because I was at that game and I enjoyed that game and I was there with uh, one of our cohorts, uh, Gene Williams, of course, and we watched that game. And I got to tell you, I too was uh, buoyed by what I saw. But I have an assessment, and that is that they really can't play the way that Leonard Hamilton and his staff would like them to play, and they should instead embrace a way of playing that usually would be considered the antithesis of a Leonard Hamilton style, and that is to allow for Caleb Mills and for Matthew Cleveland to pretty much be the offense. Just let those dudes take an inordinate number of shots because I think that's how they're going to have to win games. Do you agree or disagree? I agree, um, but I would say that there's a, there's, a, there's a negative to that. You know, and it mm-hmm. worked, and it worked on Saturday. Um, obviously, you know, one of the real benefits of the way Florida State has played for the last, you know, five, six years um, is the fact that, you know, they're hard to prepare for. And so you couldn't necessarily go into a game against FSU and say, we're going to take away Devin Vassell, and then Leonard Hamilton just throws up his hands. You know, they, they had the, anybody on the team could uh, exploit a matchup, and so they were looking for the best matchups and the best opportunities every trip down the court. Well, if you start saying, Hey, Caleb Mills is our guy. What ends up happening is becomes everybody else on the team becomes even more passive because they're waiting for that guy to bail them out. Um, so there's a negative to it, uh, but 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 I think they're at a point now where they kind of have to do that. I mean, we're at the point now where we see Anthony Polite's not going to find his own shot. Uh, Wyatt Wilkes is, is not going to be a knockdown shooter uh, unless he comes out of his funk. Um, Malik Osborne has some ability, but his best abilities really are being an energy guy, not necessarily uh, creating shots. So. Um, yeah, I think that's where they are, but uh, but there is definitely a downside to it. I think that's 100% correct. I see it that way, too. I think it gives you the best chance to maximize your potential and garner the most amount of wins. It's not how you want to play it. It's not ideal. It does leave you exposed, but you'll win more games playing to those two players' unique strengths than you will if you try to run your system with this roster. Right, and, and so what you're going to see now is other teams are going to adapt. If that's what Florida State's going to try to do. And, and, you know, look, I don't know that Leonard Hamilton's going to say, this is what we are from now on. Right. But I think he's going to do that. That's what gives us a chance to win right now. But I think what you're going to see is you're going to see some other teams uh, work to, you know, take those things away. And um, but, but, you know, look, maybe that opens up some things for the, for the Polites and um, Raekwon Evans and some of these other guys and gives them a chance to step up. Uh, but they have to do something. Um, but I also think, you know, one of the things I was really encouraged about the other night was, uh, you know, they got out and transitioned some. They, this is not a great defensive team, but they are opportunistic. And I thought they really kind of put some pressure on Louisville the other night by getting those runouts, getting some easy points, uh, because they are still really athletic. Uh, they've yep. got some guys that can finish. Even, even some of the young guys who've been struggling, like, um, you know, Worley and some of these other guys, they can do this. They can go run the floor and, and score in transition. So, uh, that's the other key. I think they have to keep getting points in transition. Yeah, and by the way, I'm glad you brought up Worley because I think he's kind of the um, 
X factor, if you will. I don't know how far he can come over the course of this season, but when you're just talking about his skill set and talking about what he's capable of, um, he's a unique talent. So maybe Jalen Worley comes along for the ride. He is only a freshman. By the time the season ends, maybe he's better able to contribute and and add uh, a third scoring tier. Or maybe it's your guy Tanner and Gum. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not giving up hope. I need. I just need him to actually show up. Yeah, uh, but I hey, can I ask you about Naheem McLeod? Can, because I liked what I saw on Saturday night. Did you? I did. In fact, I tweeted about it, and somebody responded on Twitter. They go, "I hope Tanner Nagan doesn't see this." <laughs> you're cheating. You're cheating on him. I like McLeod. That looked like that looked composed. It looked like uh, it was maybe something he could replicate. I'm not expecting him to take over games, but he's got some some thickness to him too. He's going to at the very least alter shots and cause uh, teams some foul trouble if they don't have the requisite size. Yeah, I like him a lot. I think he is more skilled than we've probably seen as he gets more confidence. I mean, he's got a nice touch. His touch on his free throws tells you mm-hmm. he's, got, he's got hand talent. Um, and he's got some physicality, and he, and he can be a little bit of an enforcer uh, defensively. Those block shots were big in early in that game. He had a couple of huge offensive rebounds um, early in that game as well. So yeah, I think he's. They got to just. They got to like sit through his frustration. There's going to be frustrating moments. There's going to be times with him, with John Butler, with all these guys where they just get lost defensively. Yeah, they do. And, and you saw it the other night where Louisville a few times. I mean, just it, like parts like the Red Sea, and guys have free lanes to the rim, or you get wide open looks. Um, they were fortunate the other night. Some of those wide-open looks didn't go down for Louisville. All right. Now segue over to what we're seeing with Mike Norvell and his staff. And since you and I last talked, obviously a couple of huge commitments. We already saw them addressed through the transfer portal. Uh, we talked about wide receiver, and, and we've had a chance to talk about those guys, although another guy has been added uh, in right from uh, West Virginia who's uh, who's a bona fide, I think, a, a guy that's played big-time college football and been productive. You throw him in there with Micah Pittman and uh, Johnny Wilson and Deuce Span, and you feel you feel good about that. And, of course, the, the big revelation over the weekend, uh, right on the heels of a linebacker, you get uh, Jared Verse. So they're having the success that they need to have in that transfer portal uh, your thoughts on on Mr. Verse, who I thought came across as incredibly mature and almost sounds like a a younger version of Jermaine Johnson, right? With that maturity and the way he went about the process of figuring it out and why he wanted to come to Florida State. I'm not going to say he could ever live up to Jermaine Johnson, but he's got three years to do it. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the fact that you know what you touched on was exactly something that came across in all the interviews he did. I mean, there's little things you can pick up uh, by how responsive. Um, players are when, when they're talking and, and the things they talk about and some of the little details that come up. And I just think the fact that, you know, he, he wasn't a guy who made this decision with his entourage, you know, his people. Uh, he made this decision with his mom. Um, I think the fact that what Florida State's pitch was uh, really resonated with him. Like, yeah, sure, you could, you could go to Oklahoma or you could go to Tennessee. Um, but if you come to Florida State, you could be Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas. And, and there's a benefit to that, and, and that's going to help you. And then I think what Mike Norvell has done and the way he, his, his approach, I think, resonates with older players. I think that's why they've done so well in the portal the last couple of years. It's not necessarily the instant return. Sometimes it's a bigger picture, and I think they've done really well with that. But, yeah, man, they've, uh, they've still got a way to go. They've still got more opportunities. I think they could – I mean, I could see them bringing in another several players, and they only have a few – small needs left. So they've done a really good job, um, whether or not that's going to get them into a position where they can uh, knock off a Clemson or knock off uh, Florida. 
you know, we'll see. But but I, but they've definitely improved this this overall roster in the last few weeks. Yeah, and by the way, again, we're not done yet. That's something you just said, but I, I want to echo that. There's more guys that they can get, and I'm excited to see who they target and uh, who else adds to that ledger. Because when you take all those guys, Ira, that we're talking about that have now come in on the heels of that class, all of a sudden you look at that and you say, man, this is easily a top 15, top 10 class. So you get excited. You know, you think to yourself, all right, on the heels of a 5-7 and seven season, I'll take that. And, and you, know, you know, again, as you said, you know, this guy, uh, Winston Wright mm-hmm. out of West Virginia, he's the most proven of these wide receivers. Uh, I think he was second team all Big 12 last year. Um, he's a guy that he's put up big numbers, 60-something catches, an explosive kick return guy. So he's the most proven commodity. But all of these guys have played college football, and I really think that's a big deal. And, you know, Leonard Hamilton spoke about that today, just talking about what they're seeing in basketball and these guys in the transfer portal. And sometimes schools are going out and getting guys who are fourth- or fifth-year guys um, who maybe weren't at marquee programs and maybe haven't been superstars. Adrian mentioned the last night on the, on the smash that, one of those guys at Wake Forest that had a big night against Florida State is averaging like 20 a game. He averaged like eight a game at Oklahoma. Sometimes a new start, a new opportunity, a new system, and you're bringing in guys who are much older. Uh, you're not going to hit on all of them. But I, I think here Thomas exceeded, exceeded our expectations. Jermaine Johnson exceeded our expectations. Uh, a couple guys didn't. Uh, but I think that you know there's an opportunity to, to kind of strike gold a little bit more with some of those older guys than if you're just taking in high school players. Who you got tonight? Man, I'm not, I'm going with Alabama. I still can't uh, can't wrap my mind around Stetson Bennett uh, playing well against Alabama. So I think uh, and I and I just man, I, I saw that Georgia secondary once against Alabama, and I know Alabama doesn't have all their guys, but um, I like Alabama to win it. Which I don't even know who I want at this point, but but I think Alabama's going to win it. I think you're probably bored like everybody else. You're just watching because you feel obligated to. Um, I'm watching because I've got Georgia, and you're going to lose that bet, buddy. George is coming up big tonight. I'm cheering for you, but that's what I'm cheering for. I'm not cheering for Kirby. I'm not cheering for State. I'm cheering for you, but uh, I just uh, not a not a big believer in uh, Kirby or Stetson in a big game. Think about all the Georgia fans tonight that are tuning in, many of whom have lived a good long life already and never seen a national championship victory. Think about how long it's been for Georgia. So here we go. We need that to happen for them tonight. There you go. Forty. 40-plus. Alabama, it's been been fewer months yeah. than years for Georgia. It's been a few hours for Alabama. Uh, all right. Be good, brother. I'll talk to you later. See you, man. Later. Yeah, think about that. So the frustration uh, for the Corey Clarks of the world and many who uh, have tuned into this show for many years, like it's absurd that we've been waiting this long. And my brother-in-law is in Indianapolis. He and my good sister, they made the flight. You know, it, it's funny. We're sick of Georgia, yet they haven't won the title yet. No. And and no. they they know that very yes, well. Yeah. So it's all novel to them. And uh, I know yeah, quite a few people, but specifically family members, that they're there. And they took uh, tomorrow off in case. Uh, well, I guess either way. But, uh, yeah, they're not going back to Atlanta till Wednesday. So we'll Enjoy. See. Celebrate the Dogs' national championship victory. What a night it's going to be, man. No, he's a Braves fan, too. That'd be the, was, wow. You get nothing more. That's it. Well, it's like you and me. I mean, watching the Lightning and the Bucks win championships every year. Yeah, we can have more. We, we, can, that's yeah, fine. we can continue, yeah, that's right? Fine. Well, I want to say that um, I will salute uh, with, a, with a hearty uh, dos artes uh, a Georgia national championship. I, I believe you would. Yes, um, yes I would. Isn't it funny how kind of rich Tampa got in championships? Like, with COVID, like pre-pandemic, like, all right, we got that Super Bowl and we have the cup. We've seen it happen. Yeah. And then, and then here we are now, 
still kind of have the Omicron level of the pandemic where it's just, yeah. we're not out of it completely yet. And yet we are rich beyond our wildest dreams now. Lightning, Three cups, cert- two Super Bowls. Yeah, Lightning have a chance certainly to win another one. Could be back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. We'll see. I mean, we went from two to five like that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's we're, we're not the, the odds-on favorites to continue the streak in either hockey or football, but we're not out of the running. Without question, we're not no, out of the running. No. It would be... You could very well be sick of Tampa even oh, more, they already everybody. Are. Yeah. You could be it. even more in the next God, God help everybody if months. the Rays run into the World Series again and, oh. and win that one. That could damn near happened. Chef Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchan TV. I was looking at a tweet by a guy named Bill Adee, um, and it was a tweet that reads, what it looks like to win at least $1 million in the Circus Sports Survivor Contest. Circle Las Vegas, um, Billy Chippis, along with Derek Stevens, two gentlemen seen in the video, at the Circa, watching the Chiefs game, Against Denver, that was the final game they had to have to win $1 million in the survivor pool. And that game got a little too close for comfort for a while, but it's salted away with a catch to Kelsey late, and they show them watching the screen together as they both just won a $1 million. A $1 million. And the scene is as you might guess. Well, are they Joe Blows off the street that saved up to enter this, or are they professional sports gamblers who won a million? Because it would, it would hit different if you're just somebody who saved up to take a shot at this. Let's look at Billy Chippis. He's got 16 people that follow him. Oh. I don't think he's a so professional he, sports legit, gambler. I just, oh my God, I just won a million dollars feeling. Yeah. Um, the other guy, Derek, is a big blackjack player who has 28,000 followers, so I'm not real sure that he's... 28,000? All right, so he was the money man. He's a big blackjack guy. I mean, he's but him and him and that other guy. I mean, that's still uh, that's insane. You know, by the way, that's one where I would tell you professional sports gambler or not. You know the NFL. I mean, we know a little something about the teams and the games each week and watch it carefully. You have to get every game right. Survive. You in this pool, there were thousands of entries. That's uh, that's a feeling I, I don't think I'll ever know. Uh, a million dollars on uh on gambling. Uh, every week that you're eliminating, now think. I mean, it goes from a, a thousand people injured into you know to five hundred to two hundred to fifty to twenty pretty quick. But when you're sitting there now, that's where they start talking about hedging. That's where they start talking about like it's you and four other guys. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, chop it, chop it you up. The chop? Yeah, you want to do good. the chop? Let's go. go. Or do you ride and die? Is it bad that I was looking at the NFL slate for this weekend and and messing with teasers in the break? Because I was. No. Um, First yeah. play is Kansas City's at twelve and a half. You get them down to six and a half. Feel pretty good about that, don't you? Against uh, Pittsburgh. So you want to go through the odds there? Of course I do against Pittsburgh. I I would give that in a heartbeat. I. That is a lopsided affair, sir. The next one you could do, unfortunately, you can't tease it through 10, but you could get the Cardinals up to 10 from 4, plus 4. So you, Cardinals are in trouble. I don't want the Cardinals. I, I, they're, they're not good. It's Stafford, though. You don't think the Stafford thing? 
would account for I don't, keeping I don't like, within. I don't like that Arizona right. team. They just lost to Seattle, man. All right, uh, here's a better trying. one. I don't like. Uh-uh. Here's a better one. Mm-hmm. All right, so you compare these two. Lock them in right now. So you get oh. Chiefs minus six and a half, Patriots plus ten and a half on the road in Buffalo. Ten and a half. Yeah, I like that. All right, I like that. So we got two building blocks. To I work feel with. pretty good with that. We'll sit down and talk about it. We can tease the Bucks down to what a half point. Uh, two and a half. They're, so they're over eight? Eight and a half. It, it got bet up immediately. The total hasn't moved, but the, the line has moved Well, you can point. still go through the important line of three. So get it under three, and I, I'll take that. Yeah, I like the Bucks to cover by three or more. Yeah. So I'd I do three-team, six-point teaser pleaser at this point. Okay. All right. Listen, heads up. I've talked to you guys about our new friends at Preservation Financial Group before, but uh, I want to bring them up again uh, because there's a lot of different angles here. But you may own a stray 401k. I didn't even know what that was until I read this, or a stray IRA. Basically what those are, accounts that you've had when you worked at a former employer for a former employer, but now that you don't work for them any longer, your money is still in their retirement plan. It's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing. I got one of those. Do you really? So listen up. You want to roll it over to an IRA that you control and not your former employer. By doing this, you will most likely have more investment options and more control. Options and control, really good things. Call or text Pete Tyson at 850-523-6118. That's 850-523-6118. And ask Pete to provide you with some options for rolling over that stray 401k or IRA. Also, did you know that if you're age 59 and a half or older, you can often move money from your current employer to an IRA while you're still working there? You can. Again, call or text Pete Tyson, 850-523-6118. Ask him to provide you with a free report detailing your 401k IRA retirement rollover options. There is no cost or obligation. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Any update? Are they coming? We're getting them here in town? Black Crows? Uh, There's still discussion. What the hell? Longest discussion ever. Let's go. Booking things is not easy, especially uh, in these uh, times. Don't want to hear about it. Apparently not. If you think uh, if you're thinking about solar panels, you do want to hear about this. Don't forget to think about the condition of your roof before you sign a solar panel contract. Call T Spark Enterprises to come out and inspect your roof. The last thing you want to do is have to pay an additional ten grand plus to uh, remove your newly installed panels to have a new roof put on. You don't want to do all that. Have that thing checked out by the best in the business, T-Spark Roofing and Construction. There you go. So uh, i got to do this. I've got a pick for you tonight. I think you guys already know what it is. Brought to you by North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordaPayroll.com. Hey, Big Daddy. Having some red rushes tonight? We'll know in about 47 seconds. It's picked up by Dowdy, an empty net. He scores. Hot damn. Big Daddy's done it again. Red Russians all around, Teddy. All right, Big Daddy. Got a hockey tonight? I'm taking the dogs, minus three. You got hockey? No, I was just about to look and see if there were any wrinkles to the Alabama-Georgia game for a prop. Uh, Staying off of hockey tonight. Props are friendly, fun tonight. Uh, I got the uh, Milwaukee Bucks minus two over the Hornets, too. A little NBA love for you if you want to sprinkle some love there. You got that. I got uh, Buccaneers in a teaser probably with the Patriots. It's early. I can probably do that tomorrow. I like it. 
Sometimes I don't understand the uh, one of the apps that uh, comes with gambling. It's not on the front page, and you can't find it. The uh, the Georgia Alabama game. They've got the NFL, they got the NFL on the homepage. Surprising. And like you hit football, and it's not under the list. What the hell? Did you watch Cameron Smith minus thirty four at the uh, in Kapalua? No, I didn't. You know, I watched Thursday and Friday. I did not watch the weekend. It was something to behold, man. Daniel Berger finished 25 under and finished top five in the... Uh, Boy, if it was an LPGA event, they went Friday to Sunday or a Champions Tour, my Justin Thomas pick looks pretty good, but unfortunately he shot like two over or three over on Thursday. Really weird day. I had Sung J.M., I had Xander Schauffele, and I had Jordan Spieth all finished top 22. That meant good things for me as a grouping. It did not mean that I won because some smarty pants in my group actually had John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, and Colin Morikawa, oh, wow. which, okay then. Collectively, that was minus 33, minus 26, and minus 25. And round four, I might note that Colin Morikawa was 11 under. With the wind not blowing at Kapalua, scores are obscene. It's pretty amazing because they have the biggest fairways on the tour. It won't get better than that, but the season has begun. I'm boring. Georgia money line. Just do it. These games are Minus weird. what? Uh, 140. Okay. Bye, Tom. Bye, everybody. Thanks for watching.